Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Harley, and this is a we're recording this on a Monday, and you can tell that this is a, a typical Monday because you know everything that could possibly go on on a Monday has gone on on a Monday, and and uh, so if you hear in our voices a little bit of angst, a little bit of anxiety, uh, maybe a, a little bit of uh, uh, verbal sparring, um, that's not because uh, we're upset about anything in particular. We're just upset about everything because it's a it's a Monday, and that's just sort of how Mondays go. But today I'm joined with my uh, always uh, amazingly bright and and shiny domed individual Don Winsberger, um, who is a pastor now, you know, and has been uh, in South Dakota for three congregations. One is a, a vacancy, hopefully going to be filled as they they go to the calling board. Um, but our conversation today is going to be talking about the first article of the um, Augsburg Confession, and so. We're really going to be talking a lot today about uh, thing of things, God. We're going to talk about God today. So in our conversation, if you find anything that we say to be offensive, well, you know, wear your big boy pants or big girl pants. We're not going to discriminate and uh, turn us off because that's what adults can do. They can pick and choose what they want to listen to. But if you would like to join in the conversation and and we invite you to do that, please don't hesitate to give us a, a shout out at our congregation. Send us an email, uh, track us down however you would like, and we'd be more than happy to have conversations with you. So unless you have something to add. I do. I want to share with you my favorite proverb. As the dog returns to its vomit, so the fool returns to his folly. And on that note, let's go to the music. Sometimes talking to you feels like returning to vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, we could just have a podcast on that, couldn't we? (laughs) Yes, we could. Yes, we could. Uh, It is amazing, though, to to be able to to gather with a brother in the ministry and and sort of hash out some of these things. Today, like I said, we we were, we're we've decided we're going to focus our attention on the next couple of podcasts on the unaltered Augsburg Confession. So, uh, hopefully, as a listener, you have you've taken some time and you have uh, maybe opened up your Book of Concord if you have one, or you've gone online and you've tracked down the Augsburg Confession and said, "Hey, I'm going to give it a read." Um, and so, hopefully, we've inspired you to do that. If you did that, you encountered the very first article, and the very first article is very short. It's it's um, pretty straightforward, and it talks about uh, this entity, this being um, that we call God. So, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about God today. Maybe it would be good just to read just a, a little bit for maybe if anybody has not taken a look at this. And since Article 1 is brief, why don't you let me briefly read through it. Our churches teach with common consent that the decree of the Council of Nicaea about the unity of the divine essence and the three persons is true. It is to be believed without any doubt God is one divine essence who is eternal, without a body, without parts of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness. He is the maker and preserver of all things, visible and invisible. 
Yet there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three persons are of the same essence and power. Our churches use the term person as the fathers have used it. We use it to signify not a part or quality in another, but that which subsists in itself. Our churches condemn all heresies that arose against this article, such as the Manichaeans who assumed that there are two principles, one God and the other evil, one good and the other evil. They also condemned the Valentinians, Arians, Eunomians, Muslims, and all heresies such as these. Our churches also condemn the Samosatines, old and new, who contend that God is but one person. Through sophistry, they impiously argue that the Word and the Holy Spirit are not distinct persons. They say that Word signifies a spoken word, and Spirit signifies motion created in things. So you can tell as we discuss this, um, dear listener, that we're probably going to be bringing up some, um, or at least a little bit of conversation of some of the heresies uh, that surround this uh, concept of God and who he is. Um, but I think, first of all, we want to maybe just just highlight that um, the reader or the, the writers, of course, of, of the, the confession are, are directly making a link to the common confession that they share with Catholics. So we're going to have the Lutherans and the Catholics. We stand together on the historical understanding of who God is. Um, not only the scriptural understanding, but the historical understanding. Yes. And this is something, too, is that the, in the Augsburg Confession, Lutherans first wanted to establish, with, uh, and rightfully so, with the Catholic Church, this is where we agree because there was a lot, because you have to remember they didn't have television, they didn't have phones, they didn't have internet, um, social media for immediate communication. It sometimes took months for information to fly. Rumors probably went about a lot more easily than and, and quickly than they do now with social media, uh, where there were rumors going around that, okay, the Lutherans were were were, herit, were were separate from Christianity uh, and had were taking up ideas like these that had in the past in church history, and so the Lutherans said, "No, let's dispel those rumors right away and clarify that we are not departing from traditional Christianity." And I think that's a huge part for them to be able to say because. Like you said, there are going to be coming up with, with differences. There are going to be some things that, that they're going to say, we're going to stand solely on Scripture. That's one of the, the basis of, of the Reformation, sola scriptura. And, and so they're going to say, we're going to point back to the Scriptures, and we're going to say, this is, this is where we stand. But in this case, um, if you notice, when you open up your, your uh, confessions and you're opening up the Augsburg Confession, you're saying, there's not a lot of Scripture here. I mean, there's only one, two references, right? Um, we have Nehemiah, we have a reference to Matthew, uh, maybe a reference to Titus, so, so possibly three. Then um, we look at that and we say, well, couldn't there be more, right? And there could be. There's a plethora of of of, of um, verses that describe and show us who Christ is and who God is, who the Spirit is, and how they work as the Trinity. But the reason that it's not there, dear listener, and, and for the conversation, is that this is something they agree on. 
they they both know the the scriptural behind this and they they both know the authority behind this statement and so this is not one that's highly contended it's not one that's highly debated and so they just say we agree with you that God is triune that God is three persons in in one God and and, and that's an important thing too that where as you look at uh you know people say you know you've heard People have said this in the course of church history and even say it today. Doctrine divides. Um, actually, right here, starting off with what unifies shows, no, yes, doctrine divides, but it also unifies. Absolutely. And and doctrine should divide. Um, and, and I would even say, I would I would take it take it just take a step back and say confession divides. Right? Confession divides. Because you know, you can believe one thing and not talk about it at all. And just you just believe it yourself. And and that is, in a sense, a doctrine. I, I believe an interpretation of whatever it is, and, and I'm just going to hold to that myself. But as soon as you vocalize what it is that you believe, as soon as you vocalize what it is that, that you hold dear, that's what we call a confession, then you start making these barriers, possibly, or inroads, possibly with other people. And, and and I think that's where this is this is why it's important. Um, and this is why, you know, we call it the Augsburg Confession. We don't call it the Augsburg Doctrine. We call it the Augsburg Confession. Because it's really the doctrine of the church. These are this is what the Lutheran Church has been preaching and teaching and and embracing, which is scriptural, but now they're vocalizing it. They're they're putting it down on paper and saying, so there is no doubt you know what it is that we are doing and what we practice. And in, and in, all, and in all reality, here's something, too, with a little bit of, of church history, with all of the, especially with Augsburg, but with all of, you know, with all of the other uh, confessions of the, of, the, of the Lutheran Church, the small called articles, the formula of Concord, and so forth, um, it was always stressed that these were not, new confessions, new doctrine. These uh, are, are th- this is what the, what uh, the Christ, what true Christianity has always believed and confessed. These are not departures from tradition. It's what the church always confessed. And, and I think we should bring that up. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that you talked a little bit or brought into the conversation, this idea of tradition, um, because, Although in this case, in this first article, we are in agreement with the Catholic Church. Um, I think it is something that we need to maybe remind our listeners on that there is a difference between the Lutherans and the Catholics in what is the authority. And I would even say there's a difference between the Lutherans, the Catholics, and, and, and the Protestants, the Reformed, in what is authority, right? Um, yeah. and, and we have that statement being made in the preface. Uh, in the in the preface to this whole entire document, of course, if you have a chance to read it, go for it. Um, you know what is it that the 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 Lutheran reformers stand on Scripture alone? If it's not in Scripture, it's not something that they hold them to hold the churches to, right? Now the Catholic Church, again, in the first article, we're in agreement, but the Catholic Church had. Well, you know how we usually teach it in, in a confirmation class. They have sort of like the, the, the tripod. You have 
the scriptures, and then you have the utterances of the Pope, and then you have tradition. And one of them usually is outweighing the rest, and it's not the scriptures. And to understand tradition, Catholic Church uses tradition in a different way than we use that word in our everyday conversation. It is similar, but it's not identical to it. When we talk about family traditions, like things that we do for gathering on Christmas Eve and so forth, that's what we're. To, that's what most people understand about like that. But with the with the Catholic Church, tradition is encompassing more than just we've always done it this way. Or it's not only what we've what the 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 practices that we've been doing, but basing practice on we've always done it this way before, and so that is something that is authoritative. And I will say this, um, dear Lutheran listeners confessional German Lutherans can fall into that practice where we go, we've always done it this way before. We don't have to know why we're doing it, but you know what? It's always been done this way, so I'm going to take it to the grave with me. And and one of the things is, is with tradition, tradition may have a scriptural basis, and tradition may not. It may have it may be, be something that's neither commanded or forbidden. And so there might be a better way to do it if there's no specific scripture commanding it. So we're we're dealing, but we're Roman Catholics look at it. Okay, there doesn't need to be a scriptural reason for it. We've always done away done it this way. So therefore, that is going to take precedence over what scripture says. I would actually I would actually say that it, it borders almost on on what happened in the Jewish faith um, later on in in the Old Testament. Um, that everything became ritualistic, right? Um, and that's almost what you're kind of saying, that they become the yeah. rituals that are devoid of the reasons why we did them. Not saying necessarily all of them were bad, but if you've stripped them of the meaning and you strip them of why and of the remembrance of why you're doing it, then they become the ritual. And, and that's sort yep. of what it's being said. And, and then just to sort of sum up our, our, our thoughts as we're pursuing, because remember we said Lutherans, Catholics, and, and the Protestants, the Reformed, are, are kind of all view these things different. Um, so if Lutherans are sola scriptura, and then you have the Catholics who are scripture, tradition, ritual, um, and then the utterances of the Pope, um, yep. um, when it comes to the Protestants, um, you're going to... Feelings, oh, feelings. <laughs> I was going to say it nicer, <laughs> but yes, um, feelings. And and I would throw in there possibly um, into the mix, reason becomes uh, a huge factor for them. So um, in, in the Protestant Reformed Committee, you're, you're kind of looking at, well, what does Scripture say? And does it is it reasonable to us? And how do my feelings on the matter uh, all fit together to, to kind of roll out? My response. Anything you want to add other than the the beautiful serenade of feelings? Do you want me to mention names? Well, no, per, preferably not, because that would probably be offensive to to those people who might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then they won't. <laughs> uh, but but now let's 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 go on to to this common ground. So, and it's it, this is dear listener something accepted that. Anybody who calls themselves Christian, okay? So anybody who considers themselves to be a Christian or part of a Christian denomination 
they are in agreement with the, the doctrine of the Trinity because <clears throat> that is in and of itself um, one of the earmarks of the Christian faith, uh, of the Christian church. So here we'll, we'll try to sort of in brief walk you through what's being said about the Trinity. Um, and that's really in, in, in a nutshell, we have one God. Um, now, this one God is 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 all powerful. He is Almighty. I, that's all powerful. He is He is all wise. Um, he knows everything. He can do anything. He is everywhere. Um, he is not embodied by by a, a, a physicalness like we would have as a physicalness. Um, and he is is transcendent, which means he's above everything he has created. He's above and outside of what what is being confined by creation. That being said, he reveals to us who he is and how he reveals himself to us. He reveals himself into three persons who are co-equal in all things. That means they share everything. Uh, they're, they're not one is above another. They're, they're all equal, and yet they're separate. Each does their own thing in the plan of salvation and the plan of creation, and yet sometimes work together too. So... If you are utterly confused, well, then welcome to the discussion of the Trinity. It's one of those, it, we can't understand it. We believe it because God tells us and he doesn't lie. We can, you know, we kind of go through, you know, uh, not only in the fact, you know, and maybe it does come up with this. Uh, there's just something I happened to notice here when I, it, 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 and even as we were preparing for, with, uh, for this podcast, we'll, one of the things that really stuck out at me was something we don't see a lot of today in Christianity as a, at large, as a whole, um, condemning heresies, okay? And when we get to the part here, condemning the heresies, the, the, the teachings that have come up against this, um, there are a couple, I mean, there there. This is something too that this that came up in the church long before the Lutherans came around. Um, you had uh, Arianism, you had uh, um, all of these other things, actually, which are were are false teachings that are still even around today. And and most and the majority of Christianity doesn't consider those heretical groups to even be Christian. Okay. Um, and the one that probably, I don't know why it necessarily jumped out at me here, but it, 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 because although you do see Orthodox Christians today do not view Islam as even a part of, uh, uh, as a valid religion. Although there are different radical groups of Christianity who try to say, oh, we're all worshiping one God. Islam was a threat to, was a threat to uh, um, Europe at this time, not only as a military as a military threat, but also with the uh, along with their military threat came um, uh, wiping out Christianity, forcing Christians to renounce their faith and to and to take up Islam. And there had to have been there was conversation going on back in this time. Well. Is there anything acceptable about Islam? And it's interesting to note here that at this time, 
the Catholic Church no longer does denounce Islam. But at this time, the Catholic Church did, as well as Lutherans, and pretty much the rest, the Reformed and everything else. And that just that just that just kind of struck me because how many questions do our people have today when we look at our own country, when we look at Al Qaeda, um, when we look at terrorism throughout the throughout the world? Um, we hear about radical terrorism. We hear about radical Muslims. We hear our media telling us. We hear our media telling us that uh, that uh, that uh, Muslim is a peace-loving religion. Sure. Um, there's all sorts of things to pick out of this, and I don't want to get us diverted into that. But my point is, Islam was rejected because they reject who God is, who the true God is. Well, and wasn't it? And and I just had to look this up because I, I I thought I knew, and I'm glad I knew right. Uh, John Chrysostom. Uh, he, you know, he was one of the biggest uh, proponents who witnessed to the Muslim faith um, as he was sharing Jesus with them. And, and he calls it, I think he was the first one that said uh, Muslim, this, this rise of Muslim was a, was a Christian heresy in its infancy, um, taking portions of the scriptures, uh, taking portions of, of God's word, and then, and then readjusting them according to, to what was, what was going to be done. Um, and again, you don't want to go down that road so often where we where we pursue. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and you not only have Islam, but you have here when he's talking about Ari, uh, Arianism, and then you have the Samosotines and the Valentinians and so forth. Old words, old heresies uh, that are still around today. The devil likes to take new twists on them. In what we see today here. Um, it's no no coincidence where we see uh, feelings, 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 and we see that cre- we see that has crept its way its way into Christianity. Then you have other aspects. You have Arianism, which is a denial of the Trinity, or actually a denial of the divinity of Jesus, which we find in uh, which we find in the Jehovah's Witnesses, and are not considered to be. Uh, to be a Christian group, um, then you find the other thing where to, uh, not want, or not viewing the Trinity, looking at the Trinity as not distinct persons but different operations of God. We see that most prominent today in Mormonism, and so the so if anybody thinks today, well, what good does this Augsburg Confession do us today? This speaks to things that are still going on today as well, too. Right. Now, now let me just ask you this, and and maybe and I I know Manichaeism, um, the old heresy Manichaeism is this idea of having almost like the yin and the yang. There's there's a there's a good and there's a bad. But didn't they also? And please correct me if I'm wrong. And 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 I'm trying to figure out and remember my church history here. Didn't the Manichaeists also believe that that God wore different like hats at different times throughout history? Actually- Actually, if, if I remember my terminology right, that was something called modalism. Oh, you're right. Different modes. Yeah, he had the different modes. Yeah, yep. you're right. Okay. That was something called modalism. And that is another heresy that does take place, that, that they do counter later on in, in, in the yep. confession. Uh, I spoke specifically here. Um, you know, this, uh, you know, another, you know, there, but, you know, I, there, there, there is some things, too, where, Actually, too, uh, just looking at uh, some of the 
preparation things we shared with each other. I notice on our little page here, as we talk about it, there, there we do see the Chinese yin yang thing here. So it does fit in with some of these different, you know, once again, just history, you, and you're a history buff too. False teaching, false teachings are, are basically, we don't see, ever see in the course of, of human history, new false teachings. We just see new and different twists on the same false teachings. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the, well, you know, the old saying, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And, and I think this is a lot of what we see going on and what you're referring to is, is you see a lot of these things come up in history and we don't know them. And so it seems reasonable that we come up with them and then we're rehashing the same, same event over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and we, I, might, we might be dancing around a, a little bit, but one of the, uh, one of the things I appreciate with, uh, one of the study or with uh, one of the studies I have here that I've been preparing with um, to help at least try to intelligently discuss um, the, the uh, uh, you know, the Augsburg Confession um, is, is a question here. Where do we see these beliefs seeping into the church today? <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, and I don't know if we want to open up that can of worms with all of them, but here's one. Let me let me bring up one here, too, with this, uh, as we were talking about uh, um, with feelings and emotion and uh, and not necessarily facts. But we look at how that has just we can definitely see how that is part of society today. Truth. My truth is my truth. What I want to make it truth is what I feel to be truth. That's part and parcel of the sinful nature. And this is something that I see. It's especially important for we as Lutheran Christians um, to be aware of and to be wary of because Luther liked to say this about the little emotional, that about the, the schwärmer, the emotional being, which is what our sinful nature is. The, where my emotions tell me, my emotions say, I am smarter than God in his word and his promises. Which is really a transgression of the first commandment because you yeah. are placing yourself as into God. Yes. And it's, I feel, I feel, I feel. And you know, uh, uh, you know and I apologize somewhat for uh, doing a mockery uh, at the beginning with the song Feelings. Um and because you know what, I, I'm not immune from this sin either. And usually, I will I will admit that usually it's my feelings of uh, of anger <laughs> that get the best of me, rather than the, the rather than the soft um, the soft uh, uh, squishy uh, you know fe uh, you know emotional feelings like that. Um, God makes it you know we're all we all have different personalities, but it's a temptation for all of us. And my sinful nature creeps in. With this, and my feelings tell me, all right, God, I know this is what you say, but you really, and, and, and I know you're right about that, except it doesn't apply to me. Sure. Yeah. It, it's sort of like the idea of, you know, uh, the speed limit is 55 for every other car except for the one I'm driving. 
oh, you just hit me right between the eyes with that one. <laughs> but it's the truth, right? That that's yep. that's that's sort of what we're saying is is and, and that's what our feelings say to us and, and our reasoning. Um and that's how faulty it is. It's you know, if I'm in the car, if I'm driving, then I don't have to follow that because I'm somehow exempt from it. Um, well, everyone else it, has to it, do it. And and I'm gonna be a little snarky here today. Or it could be uh, something like this. Well, pastor, ministry and, re- and evangelism isn't really talking to people about God's word. It's feeding them and giving them all of their physical needs and maybe even throwing, and throwing a Thanksgiving dinner at church on Thanksgiving Day. Give them their food, but it doesn't matter if, if they're worshiping or, 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 or entitled or engrossed in word and sacrament. Yeah, and it can be. And, and we get into that too, right? Where, well, and we've all heard it. We've all heard it where, where the church's role, and, and, people, and maybe this is a little bit of this going in, that the church's role is not to, to, to bring people um, into contact with God who serves us, the triune God who serves us, but it's more um, the, the, the feel good. We're going to go out there and make ourselves seem like we have done work um, and, and, and make everything look like we have uh, fulfilled a portion of the law that is, is upon our conscience, and then we go home feeling well about ourselves. Look at what we've done. And, 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 and I, yeah. I, I want to I I say this seriously. I, I, I would feel remiss if we didn't bring up, and uh, if, we have any, if we have any millennials listening, I am not attacking you, okay? But I do think it's something for all of us to be aware of because as, as we look at ministry and how we're trying to involve all of our all of our generations in ministry, and God wants all of our generations involved in ministry. This is a struggle that we have with our millennials because our millennials want to see results. They want to actually be rolling up their sleeves and doing things and actually see it and being t- and touching and involved with ministry. And that's a great thing. But then we also have to beware of the ditch of, of the of, of one ditch of being too far to one side to where it becomes just okay I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of just their physical needs right because it makes me feel better um you know what we do need to take care of that we do need to help with physical needs God wants us to love the entire body um, um and, and the entire person um, but we always have to be aware be be wary of t- of taking things too far. Something we're going to be preaching about this next Sunday, brother, as we as we as we finish up Paul's letter to the Romans in the lectionary and that wonderful series we're doing and we're dealing with Christian freedom. Right. But but and and dealing with that text, you know, what does it it speak out against? It speaks out against piety in all of its forms. Right? Um the idea yeah. that the idea that that because I did something I'm now better than or, or because I didn't do something, I now am worse than. But, but bringing it back to the conversation about the Trinity, you know, the, the best person within the Trinity to show us godly living was God himself, who lived for us. Um, and, and, and that brings back this idea, right? Um, maybe one of the biggest, the biggest clashes we have within the scriptures um, of Satan, who is what people would say the ultimate evil, and God. And God, Christ in person, 
um, is when he goes out into the desert and we have the three trials listed for us. And, and maybe this is where a lot of these people get this idea. The Manichaeans get this idea that there's two principles. God can't shine and be as bright as he is if there wasn't evil there to show how, how bright he truly is. Right. And, and how many times don't we think about, think like that brother too, and that's in that very vein. All right. We give the devil, not saying that we, that we, that we don't, the devil is a very powerful creature. Very seriously. We do not underestimate him, but sometimes in our own thinking, we give the devil attributes, God-like attributes that are not his. The devil is not all powerful. He is very, he is more powerful than we are. The devil is not present everywhere, but he is very swift. Um, the devil is not all-knowing, but he is very intelligent. And sometimes it, 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 it's a temptation, and sometimes we fall into this as, as Christians where we, we give the devil a lot more credit. You know what I mean? We, where we almost assign the devil, or we, it, we're not almost, sometimes we assign him divine attributes that are not his. Well, and I would even go a step further, and, and some people say, you know, the devil, well, the devil, he, he, he knows me so well. He really doesn't know you that well. It's just that we are not as unique we, as we think we are. <laughs> I, I hate yep. to say it. And, and, and please, don't take this as, as a slam on people. I do believe people are individuals. But we're not unique. We really aren't. We all suffer from the same vices. We all suffer to different extents, of course, but we all suffer from the same vices. We all suffer from the same sinful nature. Um, we are not as unique as we think that we are. And, and God does not need our sin, doesn't need evil to show himself to be good. God is good despite evil. God is good despite the things that we brought into this world. Um, and, and so I think there's, there's something that really needs to, to blend in there. Um, and so we, we, you know, we look at our pietists, our, our pietism and how we approach God. And, and, and that's a first commandment thing. I'm, I'm so much better, Lord. Um, in fact, maybe I'm better than you. Um, uh, there's Adam, right? There's, there's the old Adam. Um, God's holding something from me. I can be just like him. Therefore, I'm going to take that fruit and I'm going to eat it. Uh, my wife's going to do the same. Um, <clears throat> The, the fact that these things roll around, these are heresies that, that the church has already stood up against and said, no, this is, this is not true. This is not stuff that we're going to cling to. We're, we're going to go back to Scripture and say what Scripture says. Well, it's trying to, a big part, too, where another thing where this, I see this speaks out to making this practical in our everyday life is the idea that God takes the attitude, boys will be boys, that he turns, that he gives a wink to certain behavior. And this is our own sinful nature's attempt to try to appease its conscience apart from word and sacrament. Um, to where, okay, where, you know, okay, if I go out and I and I'm and I'm raising heck and and partying with the boys and 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 overindulging that God looks at that and says, oh just boys will be boys. I don't worry about it. No, no, that is that 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 is not how it works. But we try Again, here it's a, it's the sinful natures. Uh, it, it started with Adam Eve. Let's try to make God into my image, right? The image I want Him to be in. And and this is beautiful how we're how we're working this through. Um, 
we're trying very hard, if you, dear listener, just as, as a preface, we're trying very hard not to get into the second article, even though it, it naturally bleeds into the second article, because the second article is going to talk about original sin. But, but um, Don, you talked about the image, right? We want to make God into our image, which is, a, which is part and parcel to um, the first commandment. Um, when you when you look at the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. One of the explanations in there, you you shall not create um, car, uh, craven images, uh, carved images um, uh, that you say this is my God. Look, O Israel, you know, here is your gods. As Aaron said, as he he made the golden calves uh, during the time that that Moses was on Mount Sinai. Um, if you are part of the Protestant um, uh, Reformed camp, uh, you're you're looking. That's the second. That's the second command, right? You shall have no other grave. You shall make no graven images. One of the interesting things about this thing is, and, and we had this question come up um, just just Sunday when we were talking about the Ten Commandments. The question came up by one of our teachers: um, Why did he specifically say don't create images? Why did he specifically say that? And, and it's so beautiful because what do we see in history? God provides his own image. Here's my son, Jesus Christ, who's going to live perfectly for you in all ways that you cannot. You don't need to come up with something else because what you're going to come up with is, one, not going to be me, isn't going to be close to who I am. It's going to be a resembling of you and your, your sin, your imperfections. Um, it's going to be... It's going to be exactly the opposite of who I am. And so what does is, what is the Lord do? The Lord says, don't do it. Just avoid it. I, I, I am in agree. I, I completely agree with you on that. Now explain, in case we have any Protestant Christian listeners listening here, why that commandment does not rule out artwork and imagery in the church. <laughs> That's an age-old question, isn't it? Uh, because in, in the in the Pietistic movement, even in the Wisconsin Synod, um, that that was a hugely fought thing—not to have images, not to have 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 things like that. Because then you start looking as this is something that we're going to worship. Um, I I I don't think that that is is what is being said um, in the sense of very simply. What is being said here is that we are building an image and we're placing our hope and comfort and we're placing our our desires to be watched over and and the desire to be to be provided for um, and vindicated by into that image. And, and just to, just to clarify here too, I might be made, and if I am overstretching here, please correct me. It's interesting to note that in the Old Testament. With, uh, with civil and ceremonial law in effect, that uh, m- that Moses, the same one who gave that, or, you know, was, you know, wrote with his, or, you know, took the, you know, in the, in the tablets that with that commandment on there, also then erected a pole in the desert with the bronze serpent that Jesus equated to himself in John chapter 3. Sure. Uh, almost, uh, almost a theophany of sorts, right? Uh, not a theophany, yeah. but a foreshadowing, um, a, a foreshadowing of Christ. A type. Yeah, a type of Christ. Um, but, but you see, and I think, and, and I think that's where it is, right? You have, you have this difference, um, and this is where we have to be careful when it comes to images. Um, are you placing your hope and comfort in the image, 
or or is this or is this um something that directs us to who God is and 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 what he has done um and and that's a really fine line right that that is a a very fine line that you always have to be careful of um you know sometimes and and I think we've misplaced it at times you know we have a culture now that everyone wears a cross have you noticed that you know people put crosses on their bodies um people wear crosses around their neck almost like it's a talisman um and they've completely devoided what that is supposed to be pointing us to singer madonna right it it it, re- it removes what it's supposed to be pointing us to and 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 focusing our thoughts and it has now moved into the realm of this is like the the good luck charm. It's I'm putting my value into this that I have this cross that I'm going to be protected, um, and and that's that is that is building an image. Well, and where the beauty and the purpose of that is removed, you know, look at we as uh, um, we as Lutheran Christians maybe don't appreciate as much making the sign of the cross as we should, and some of it comes from the thoughtless use among, uh, of it among our Catholic counterparts, where, it, where it's not a reminder of one's baptism. It is really, it, it, it's really a, it's, it's a superstition thing done for good luck. Right, right. And again, that's, that's going against the, the, the very core of, of our triune God. Um, yes. And points us to himself. Um, and so again, like I said, you know, we are dealing with the first the first commandment. We're dealing with the commandments there, and, and that idea of not having an image pointing, because God wants to point us to His Son. He points us to the second person. I don't know about you, Don, um, but I know that that this first article is a little bit short, not necessarily because it's not impactful, um, but it it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the document and kind of. I'm kind of thinking, I know we're a little bit early, but I'm kind of thinking that we save up some of our other comments because we're going to be starting to hit the, the doctrine of original sin and, and we're really going to be hitting hard um, some of this idea of, of, of really, um, well. I, I agree with you. I, you know, and I think too right now with the, the purpose, of, actually with the, the purpose and the gist of Article 1, I think we've wrung it out all we can without... Uh, without jumping too much into to Article 2. Absolutely. So, dear listener, what my suggestion is, is that you tune in next week. Um, actually, uh, next week is the 28th, is it not? Um, I do believe we actually have uh, have some things coming up um, uh, on that day. Um, so we hopefully we'll be able to put something out, uh, but we'll take a look at our schedules because um, I know some conferences are coming up for us, and so we will be away for some conferences. Um, but stay tuned to the next one as we have an opportunity to talk about original sin. We're going to talk about uh, um, man and, and who are we, and and then and then maybe sin in general too, and how how all this all fits together, right? Um, as we we walk our way through the Augsburg Confession. Any other added thoughts before we close and, and prepare for next week? Um, just an encouragement to tune in, just like the dog returns. Well, with that, uh, we do welcome you be, to return to this vomit, and uh, <clears throat> hopefully uh, you find that it is flavorful the second time. second <laughs> time. <laughs> And with that, God's blessings as you have an opportunity uh, to, to worship this wonderful God.
three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, Amen.